here we go, another episode. That's right, we weren't lying, we weren't fooling, we're actually back, see? This is proof, proof with the second episode and in a couple months that we are actually doing this We Talk Comics thing again. I'm Martin, I got Chris with me, I got Keith with me, I got Brett with me. You three introduce yourselves, I think, by telling people what you've been uh, watching, reading, or doing. Okay, we're not going in order or anything, so I'll just, uh, <laughs> I, I'm Chris. I am, I, I am currently uh, sorting through Malibu, old Malibu comics, and uh, I just recently finished a whole uh, deep dive into the career of uh, Rob Liefeld. Don't. Um, I would. And uh, watching, um, I'm just keeping up with my Marvel shows, and that's about it. Uh, nice. I... Uh... I'm in the middle of reading uh, The Prez, the original The Prez, nice. uh, which I must have tried 10 times to read that thing, and I never got into it. And then the, I, I gave it one more shot, and it just clicked. And suddenly, like, I got what everyone else has seen in, in that uh, original book. And uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm reading Danny Trejo's uh, autobiography, which is not a comic, but it should be. Mm. Uh, and uh, I did just see Black Widow um, on the weekend, uh, so I'm I'm almost up to date. I've not seen the season finale of Loki. Other than that, I'm up to date on my my Marvel. What do you and, What do you uh, think of Black Widow? I, I enjoyed it. I think it's uh, I think the th- it has some third act pro- uh, challenges, um, but it was nice to see a different a different genre. Um, a bit, a bit of a different feel. Like I like that they've been experimenting outside of their uh, their normal formula. I think uh, I think their films became a little formulaic um, near the end of the first cycle, and um, so is it's. I like seeing stuff that kind of plays with that a bit more, and um, and I like I liked the new characters that were introduced. Uh, I thought Red Guardian was really great. Cool. Cool. All, All right, right reading watching or doing well um well not completely going through uh rob liefeld uh renaissance i had i did read the end of new mutants and then i've been reading his x-force just i just i just wanted to read uh the introduction of deadpool actually and and so it it has been interesting looking at his art and and really realizing what made him a superstar artist in that first place like i understand his dimensional issues and stuff like that but there's no question that i mean the kinetic energy that he could bring to a page uh-huh. was was amazing wow well we took totally different routes on that one because i just dove in with like red wolf and jet <laughs> <laughs> and like just did the maximum stuff i never it's- even thought to go into his marvel crap it's funny. I I read those X Men's last year as well, and uh, and that was what really struck me was like it, I get why I get I was really into his work at that point too, and so much like it was so kinetic. There's so much action, so so much movement to the art, um, and it was also so different. Like that yeah. was what. Now, what really strikes you if you read a bit of a run too, where you see a lot of those, you know, Perez and Byrne um, and Adams influenced artists who had a much more like superhero, but a real, but a, a realism to it. 
And then you get to Lee and McFarlane and Liefeld. And it's so radically different all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, Liefeld, very filmic. Like, there's there's shots mm-hmm. where it's just like, it's from underneath. And I'm like, I, you would never see anybody else do that. But but here's the shot. And, and so it it really does set him apart, for sure. Well, the art looked really different than it did by the time he got to, you know, kind of the guy that we found lazy in the sure. image. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a completely different style. Well, and, and three or four times having copied his own layouts, um, you know, they get you're, you're going to get a little. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having reused his own, like stealing his own layouts uh, by the end. <laughs> well, Lord yeah. knows he stole the same character designs dozens and dozens of times. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Someday we're going to have to go deep into Rob Blyfield, but this is not that episode. No, this episode. it is not. No. No, no. You might think it was. Just felt like it. It's just a teaser. <laughs> it's just a teaser. We we will have to go deep into that guy sometime because you know, I mean, life felt. But anyways, this one is uh, well, it's Max Boland, the Executioner, versus Frank Castle, the Punisher. Or you mean Max Boland? Yeah. What I say? Max. Did I? Yep. Are you sure? Yep. Old Maxwell Bowling. 100%. <laughs> I, I think you're mixing it up with uh, with Punisher Max uh, when the Punisher was named Max. That's right. There's a good excuse. <laughs> yeah. Max Bowling, the Punisher, or the Executioner, versus Frank Castle, the Punisher. And the point being that uh, we, we were talking about uh, the Executioner comic book between, uh, between ourselves, and at some point, uh, um, you know, kind of one of us, it might have actually been me, you know, said, well, basically, Punisher is just a ripoff of him, you know, <laughs> which. Uh, no, I, I, I actually think the creator did. Jerry Conway said he's just a ripoff. Well, I, I and, think ripoff rip is not how he he uh, how he framed it. Uh, I mean, certainly he, he acknowledges the influence and that that he was doing a riff. Uh, yeah. You have to keep in mind, though, I mean, when when he first showed up, he wasn't given much backstory or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, issue with Spider-Man, and and at the time he was just a villain. I mean, he could have been. He didn't have to be like the Executioner uh, at the time. Um, he was just, you know, just a villain who was trying to kill Spider-Man, thanks to the Jackal. So, I mean, he kind of evolved into this. So, I'm not sure if it was ever a ripoff in that way, if it was ever a plan. But you can't deny the backstory and the style and all that stuff is. Very similar. The roots are strong, especially when you read Circle of Blood, and and I would say after reading, I mean I mean knowing Mac Bolan as well as I do, and and those first thirty eight novels and stuff like that, it's it's like, um, and also then reading the three issues of the comic book, and and it's a damn shame, I'll say that there was only the three issues produced because it was a really good read. And yeah, one thing I felt the first issue, I found the first issue a little clunky, mm-hmm. Like they weren't quite yet understanding the medium and the storytelling, the medium, but by issues two and three, I agree. It was, it was starting to really click. And, uh, issue four of the four issues never came out. They had more planned, uh, a graphic novel that's unbelievably rare to find did show up. Uh, at some point, of written by Linda Pendleton um, a couple of years later, a few years later, I think like five years later or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it is, I agree with you, it was a shame because it was starting to click. And the interesting thing is that I started to read the 
the uh, five-issue miniseries that IDW did on The Executioner. And I had to stop after two because it's so badly written and it's so overwritten that it's everything that those three issues, you know, that Don and Linda did, like, it's everything that it wasn't. I mean, it was a mess. Who wrote that? Oh, I can't. I can't quite remember. It's, I'll have to dig it up. But, but, and then the the worst part is is that it's poorly edited because there's spelling mistakes all over it in <laughs> a two issue miniseries. And this is IDW. I mean, IDW. Like we should not be we should not be misspelling uh, you know things in the book. Like f- the word from should not be F O M. No, only when I write it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean it's like were they I know they weren't writing this on their on their phones, you know, using their, their thumbs as a, you know as a way to type it out. I'm largely unaware of what Mac Boland is, the executioner. Now, can you answer me this? For me, reading these two limited series, um, I thought Mac Boland, uh, the mob killing his family um, directly, and the Punisher, his family was killed really as, I, I don't know, friendly fire, collateral damage. That that to me sort of struck in a different motivation for the two characters. Um, does Mac it, Boland yeah, it, it go is... on or in his later adventures just to be a generic killer of criminals, or is he always uh, no? He has the he opposite infiltrate. <laughs> he heads the opposite direction, really, uh, because the the first. 34, I think, are the one are what's written by Pendleton, and uh, and it's actually even different than that because uh, the the mob doesn't kill um, Boland's family at all. Uh, uh, Boland's father uh, kills his family and then and, and takes mm-hmm. his own life, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and Boland has a younger brother uh, who you know continues to appear in the books for a long time. Uh, but it was that his. Uh, uh, his sister um, needed – his dad had to uh, borrow money, and his sister was helping work off the money. But you're and, never going to get the Punisher walking around a whorehouse going, I wonder how bad it was for my sister. Like empathy is not a Punisher trait. So I found that interesting at least. I don't know. I mean like the thing was is that uh, reading Circle of Blood – I really felt like, especially when the Punisher got to those moments of like, you know, the war is spiraling out of control for him because innocent lives are being lost. And that absolutely struck me as very much what Mac Mullen was like in that there was no way that an innocent should ever lose their life. But he, but Mac Mullen was way more focused on, I on, think you mean Max. Yeah, yeah, Max Boland, sorry, was uh, way more focused on on ensuring that that didn't happen. You know, and I think I think in this case, like, Max Boland could pretty much never be controlled, whereas the Punisher, you know, in this case, was being controlled loosely. 
Well, I've read I've read the uh, Mac Bolin after reading the comic book in three issues because it doesn't finish the storyline. I read the Circle of Blood, or uh, not Circle of Blood. Sorry, the uh, miniseries, uh, the Mac Bolin miniseries. What was or the the first novel? What was it called? Uh, War against the Mafia. War against the Mafia. Thank you. I read the War against the Mafia, and uh, one of the things that was really interesting about that was at the beginning of the the comic books, it talks about him as being the executioner, but also being, um, you know, kind to the to the children uh, of the villages and such like that. And, uh, what was it? Angel of Mercy? Sergeant, or like Sergeant that? Mercy. Sergeant Mercy. Uh, that's not in the book, uh, at least not in the first one. It's it definitely shows up. There's no question about it in the in the 38 that he wrote. So, I mean, it's like actually on their um, on the website. Uh, there's a really nice little write-up about uh, about the executioner and just about the other stuff that uh, Don Pendleton did write. I mean, a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, he and Linda did some did some great work for sure. I also thought it was interesting that two approaches between the characters towards killing the mob are completely different. Putting on a costume and basically just heading straight at them, and uh, Mac Boland. Uh, definitely takes his time to infiltrate the mob to find out what's going on. Well, I think one of them, I think the Mac Bolin is more of a realistic approach of how you would have to take down the mob, whereas the other one is a superhero still. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting a superhero mentality of just go straight ahead and action and and you know, you're not you're not trying to put together all these plot points quite as quite as tightly. And and I think the thing is, is that Mac Bolan, I think, became that once it was licensed to Gold Eagle, and and it really became that whole Stony Man uh, thing, which which as a kid I adored. Like I could chew through those books all the time. I mean, what a great like we're talking about action, we're talking about sex, we're talking, you know, it's just like you learn about guns. It's like, damn, that's that's the trifecta right there, boys. <laughs> I still love the Desert Eagle gun because of that. Was, oh, yeah. It was Mac Boland's gun. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and like the big booming sound that it was. And and that was one of the things that they tried to do in the IDW miniseries was like, you know, the the, the boom of the Desert Eagle heralded the arrival mm. of Mac Boland to the, you know, the, war zone. The purple prose yeah, and the... Yeah. writing that shit. The, the first, the, like the Pendleton novels, are are very much like that. Uh, that you, know, that pulp, um, yeah, uh, writing style. It's it, it's very. I, I know that when I started reading those, I would send the odd uh, the odd line to you guys of, of like a particularly, um, <laughs> a particularly specific image word picture he was making. <laughs> I always <laughs> I always kind of viewed them as Harlequin romance novels for men. Well, absolutely. I, I don't and, mean that as an insult at all. No, you know? and that's what Gold Eagle was like. It it yeah. was the it it's part of Harlequin. So I mean, it's all it's all the same thing. And and again, I love those books. And like, and I and it and it really wasn't until I went back and started reading the actual Don Pendleton, you know, Mac Bullens, where you do really get the the heart of the character more so. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, really struck me about the differences, if you were talking about the Chris was talking about the motivation. One of the things that really struck me was uh, having the execution or stab some guys in the neck and like slug, slug their throats, whereas you never see the Punisher use a knife. I and mean, he's all, you know, machine guns all the time. 
Yeah, I mean, he might have a, he might have a machine gun that fires knives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, well, the knife is only on his costume so yeah. that he can uh, so that he can use it to escape. Yeah, from I, things. I, well, and I mean, Bolin has no there 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 is no compunction of uh, of you know what like he uses explosives. He use he's a sniper at times. Uh, he, uh, you know, he has no problem using any tool at all. Uh, whatever happens to like tickle his fancy that day. Well, um, and, and, yeah. and again, in the IDW one, it's interesting because they make a big deal out of the best weapon to use, you know, is not to reload a weapon. It's to grab a new weapon. Hmm. That'd be the John Woo approach to uh, yeah to yeah guns. exactly yeah, to treat guns as disposable yeah and <laughs> so anyways the writer the writer of uh, the IDW was uh, Doug uh, uh, Wolowitz uh, <laughs> Wolowitz something like that no I never don't know his work at all I, I I loved that it, there's there's a measure, there's a bit written by Pendleton in these in these issues where he talks about the editor who convinced him to do the comic and how he's like a, a comic guru and I'm like I've never heard this guy's <laughs> name before yeah. like complete, whatever his experience was before this no idea uh, but uh, convinced Pendleton that he was uh, that he was the man so but. You know, and again, like if they if he worked with Don and Linda when it came to actually writing those comics, then he did a good job because unlike most authors, there was no overwriting in those books. No, not at all. No, but I will say I think the Punisher was the better comic book, Um, just because I mean you have Mike Zach at the height of his powers uh, for the first four issues at least, and I mean. Uh, Mike Diodato uh, Jr. is no slouch, but this is really early in his career. Well, I mean, he did the, he just did, he the, did inking. the inking, yeah, yeah. But he did do the, the no, main, I, I mean, there, the there's no question. Like, and it's a, and it's an odd thing, of course, that you know we have we have five issues of a four issue miniseries, but the fact that the first four are totally Zach and Grant. And then the last one is Joe Duffy and John Beatty. And uh, I forget who it was that did. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, it goes oh, in Vosberg, yeah. Mike Vosberg. It makes, yeah, it and, makes that, it makes that series so uneven that, that they had to change artists in the last issue. Well, and it's just so weird. Cause I, I do wonder why, the you know like they had to like suddenly drop out for when it's when it comes down to one I just issue. Think they weren't finishing in time. We, I, we I've, talked I've, to uh, Mike Zach at a convention, and he said he just didn't have time. Yeah, I, I feel like they answered that in the one that, in the panel you moderated. because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know they talked about why the why the uh, why it's four issue miniseries, then a five, and then a four again, or mm-hmm. they the screwing up the uh, cover copy. Boy, I don't remember um, those days. <laughs> like, the old days of gluing that to the cover, yeah. Yeah, of, yeah. Of, of paste, paste-ups. Um, I, I do think that one of the reasons for the Punisher's uh, success was those covers. Oh, no oh God, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just I so picked cool. those off the stand, and that was candy. Yeah. I mean, I, I would I would have sold anything to get those covers when they hit, hit the news jam. They were unlike any other uh, comic cover I'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah like I... 
there's so I mean so much of that at the time like we, we were talking earlier about uh, about how Liefeld was different. It, it's kind of hard to um, hard to imagine now how uniform comic art was there for a while. Uh, just like how like the old the idea of a house style was so ingrained and you know everything lo- like to the point where some artists were redrawn so that they were closer to the house style mm-hmm. kirby was redrawn yeah his uh, faces yeah regularly yeah like superman was redrawn in in some of the kirby stuff um have you ever seen a kirby superman face the one he was drawn <laughs> i actually can understand why they went back <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they would never do bad. that now it's just so incredibly <laughs> no. different no, but it's it, but it was just that uh, that uniformity, and so anything that challenged that, um, and anything that challenged the tone, and uh, I know that uh, I remember the first time I saw Barry Windsor Smith doing Machine Man, it was the same feeling of like this is I've not I've never seen this before. Um, the limited but yeah, circuit really changed the comic and book industry in that era when they realized, hey, we can do four issues of something different. Yeah, this would have been within the first ten miniseries, probably of, of like of that style. Well, of miniseries. That and Machine Man came out roughly around the same. Yeah, Machine Man was eighty four, and um, Wolverine was eighty five or something. So yeah, like I don't, I can't remember what the first one was. Yeah, I can't remember what the very first one was. Like I know that there was the first one that they said on the cover. This is a miniseries. Like this is number one of four or something. Wasn't it a uh, X X Men spinoff of some kind? Like probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm thinking maybe Iceman or one of the Beauty and the Beast one. Uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. One of one of our listeners is yelling it at us. Well, luckily we have the means to figure it's this out. It's so clearly Falcon. Jim <laughs> <laughs> mostly. Which actually it might be now that I think about it, because <laughs> that was, that preceded them. I think that was eighty three or eighty four. Uh, <laughs> I think Hawkeye was eighty four. That would have been. Yeah, they okay, did so a whole like yeah they just started the doing the first it. limited series. Uh, first limited series was nineteen eighty two from Marvel. It was superhero contest of champions. Oh, wow! I should have thought of that, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, off my radar. <laughs> But uh, I remember reading it at the time, and yeah, that was, yeah, first one. I Google the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you just go through the first I'm, ten? I'm unhappy it? with your answer. Man. Let me know if Huntress is in the first ten. Now, that was what I had stated, yeah. This show's going to go great, guys. Yeah, like, yeah, our tradition of stopping the show to look up stuff is on. It's returned, yeah. Well, so good. there's four of us. You guys can cover it while I'm doing this. Well, I, I, got, I got a couple of sentences I wanted to read here. This is, uh, this is an early 80s interview with uh with jerry conway uh i was fascinated by the dom pendleton executioner character which was fairly uh, fairly popular at the time i wanted to do something that was inspired by that although not in my mind a copy of it while i was doing the jackal storyline the opportunity came up for a character who would be used by the jackal to make spider-man's life miserable the punisher seemed to fit yeah 
And the costume was actually partly designed by Conway and then finished by John Romita, who was an editor, I guess, I think at the time. And he didn't draw the first appearance, Ross Andrew did, but uh, Romita was the one who came up with the idea that the the extra magazine, uh, uh, extra ammo clips magazines would, uh, would be part of the skull. Um, it made the skull of the full shirt. Which definitely looks cool. I mean, there's no question. Like, I mean, there's a reason that the Punisher is popular. And, and I mean, I think part of that is due to, due to like, Mac Bolan because it's, like, you know, uh, transposed Mac Bolan and there's a popular, like, you know, just hero character there. But but also just the fact that that outfit looks really cool. And it's, I mean... It, there's an appeal to a character that's that black and white. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's one thing that Conway said in the interview as well, is that uh, this was a comics journal interview um, where uh, he, he said that that's why the costume is black and white. Cause he sees the world in black and white. Um, and, uh, uh, but it makes it such an, it's that kind of iconic image, uh, you know, in the way that Batman is that it's a, like the simplicity of it is what makes it so strong. Did uh, anyone else laugh at the house ad? I think it was in issue two of the executioner um, that said, oh, don't accept. Oh, don't punish yourself. Don't expect. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, that was super funny. Don't punish yourself. Don't accept uh, imitations. <laughs> and I mean, that was just so on the nose how uh, Don Pendleton or the company felt. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that was great stuff, and uh, and you know, then the whole time it basically wanted uh, made me want to listen to the Sexecutioner by Gore. <laughs> oh, Somehow I don't think that's related. <laughs> yeah, but just in case it is, then it's like, <laughs> 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 did Don Pendleton write anything for Gore? <laughs> I love that the house ad you mentioned is a uh, it's it's an ad to buy a monthly subscription to uh, Executioner Ooh. on its second of third of three issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scope yeah. it out monthly with mm. a subscription. Man, buy twelve issues of the Executioner for uh, uh, thirty six bucks. I wonder how often that actually wound up happening, where it's just like you could buy a monthly subscription and then you you buy a subscription and, and like one extra issue comes out. I, I believe yeah. once you bought, they just sent you another magazine. That's what DC did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that uh, pre-comic store, uh, my brother, my older brother had a subscription to uh, uh, Adventure Comics uh, that was uh, Aquaman and Starman um, at the time. And, uh, and yeah, when it ended, they just gave him something. Like, they, they just, like... Assigned another comic that seems sort of alike, uh, and sent <laughs> yeah. that for four months. But at Innovation, what would they send out? I mean, <laughs> a copy of Space Ghost? Or like... <laughs> Everyone gets Quantum Leap 100% of the time. Yeah. Whatever. Johnny Quest? <laughs> Whatever they had lying around, basically, I think. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 sort of obscure license do we have this month? <laughs> Are we still Plan talking Punisher and Executioner? Because I'm ready to talk about the the history of limited series now. <laughs> All right, no, inform us. Yeah. Well, just uh, the, do you know what the first one was ever? It was from DC. 
Any guesses? Uh, uh, Infinite Crisis? No, uh, World of Krypton. Wait, World of Krypton, I was going to say. Darn. Well, sure you were. Sure you I, were. I was, I was. It was the original. <laughs> I don't remember the original World of Krypton. They did. They did World of Krypton in 1979. Uh, then they did Untold Legends of Batman. And uh, right, they produced uh, another one with uh, Legion of Superheroes, Green Lantern Corps. And then they did a, the first maxi series was Camelot 3000. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Love to go back and revisit. I, I love Camelot 3000. It's yeah, it's such a good book. For sure. favorites. It's uh, it is uh, it is one of the the trades I'll never part with. I, I even though it might be years and years, it's it's. I mean, it's also the only extended work by Brian Boland. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He became so popular after um, after doing uh, Killing Joke, and then he just didn't like. He could basically. It made no financial sense for him to do sequential art anymore to do stories mm-hmm. uh, he just got paid so much to do covers that it made no like there was no point like he could make more off cover than he could off entire well, show. we'll have to generate that but a future episode yeah, <laughs> 3000 sounds like it's definitely in the work uh un- untold tales of batman's the one that's got a uh there's a burn issue in that so i, I recall right. that and wine um yeah is it wine or ween it's wine isn't it wine it's wine yeah john Byrne, jim apparel yeah now that I, now that I say it, I think it's we. We could probably go. We could probably go back to a previous episode and uh, listen to somebody who actually knew Len and and yeah. say his last name. I'll bet you we have just, that. Um, I'll Len as if we knew him. Sure, we do. Well, anything else to say about the Executioner and the Punisher? And uh, you know, I'm still waiting for the Marvel's entry into the limited series market. Well, that <laughs> that was contest. You promised me the complete history. Oh, <laughs> not the complete history. Did <laughs> you bridge this contest? The champions. We're doing shorter we episodes. Happy. I couldn't find what the second one was. <laughs> If if we just uh, start chronologically, like figuring everything out, yeah. then uh, if you could do that for the next time we uh, we come together, uh, that would be yeah. wonderful. Thank you. So We're trying uh, to keep these at a reasonable uh, I would length. Like some that charts shouldn't and be graphs. too long. Well, if Contest of Champions was eight, you said it was eighty three. So, I mean, like I said, Machine Man was middle of eighty four, um, and uh, uh, and there would yeah, I remember those. They had already done. Well, they had done some comic, some like movie adaptations. Um, Contest of Champions was eighty two. Eighty two, okay. Because um, yeah, they had started doing some. Uh, Return of the Jedi was it was a mini series. It was right. packaged as a mini series rather than as part of the Star Wars comics. Um, that would have been, and of course, that's eighty three. So. Yeah, I totally so, remember that. I, I'm just looking at some of the other questions people ask. Which Marvel superhero was created first? What came first, DC or Marvel? What is the rarest Marvel comic? And how long is a comic miniseries? It's <laughs> mm, a fair question. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at, at what point is it, is it considered a maxi series? I think uh, I've always thrown out the maxi series de- designation. It's never made any sense. Well, I think you know, twelve always seems like the maxi series, and then and then yeah, and anything yeah, under. DC has yeah. ever used it, so yeah. Well, I think they, yeah, it was probably brand, like, a, I think it was like a, it was a Marvel branded, um, or DC, like only one of them used that phrase, mm-hmm, but it's, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it's, clearly it's not the maximum. 
<laughs> I mean, the maximum is 300. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. 300 that's, issue limited series. That's is right. The maximum. Uh, that would be phenomenal. A run of series with a little uh, one of 300 on the. <laughs> yeah. Reprint the whole thing. Just, <laughs> Actually, what uh, what I want is like is this is you know one of five and then three hundred of five. That's basically <laughs> it. Is it's one of my I, ever listener and longtime listeners will know my love of the new universe and uh, <laughs> and as a gag on the final issue of the new universe. Uh, Justice DP7 and Cyforce all set on the cover number 32 of a 32 issue limited series. <laughs> Which is so great. Hawkeye, <laughs> by the way, was 1983. Oh, nice. That's uh, so that that would have been in the first ten. Okay, yeah. trying to first start fill up that first ten. We'll do some more research. Eight ball. I mean, I love that he fights jugglers for that entire series. <laughs> All right. Anything last left as we, as we wrap this sucker up? Anything left to say about uh, your thoughts on the Executioner and the, uh, the Punisher, the first miniseries, the book? Uh, I think it's that it's so odd that it's never caught as a comic. Uh, yeah. That uh, that they've made a couple of attempts, but it just um, that it's it they've never found the spot for it. They've they've never found the. Uh, I mean, maybe it's because it is controlled by an, you know another giant gigantic company. Well, uh, actually, I don't know. I don't know if Gold Eagle still controls Mac Boland per se, but I, I believe so. Okay, but yeah. How popular is it now? How much is it? Are they producing it now? You know, is it still? I, I think it's. I think they still do a monthly book and maybe a quarterly. Like they, they don't. There's no rest of the line. There's only just like I think they do. I. I, I as I recall, I, they're doing – they still do a month, like one book a month plus the, the quarterly Stony Man. So what is I it, like 400, 500 books? It's there? a lot, yeah. Oh, it's God, there would have There's to also be, spinoffs yeah. for it. So. There, there were a lot of spinoffs. I don't think any of them run anymore. Like there was Able Team and a few others that, that ran for a while. Yeah, Able Team, Phoenix Force, yeah, for yeah. sure. Which, again, I mean but, I love that stuff. But. You know what really stands out for me is that there never was a lawsuit. It just seems so obvious, you know. People are so uh, so litigious. Uh, you would have thought there would have been a lawsuit, but uh, I mean, it's it's probably one of those like it was different enough um, that, uh, uh, and also like it. There, one of the defenses for for trademark is that uh, you're not enforcing it. So the like the longer they didn't do anything about the Punisher, the the less likely they would have been able to get anything out of it. Sure. They would have had to do something. Uh, a guy like going for revenge years. is not exactly all that easy to prove because it's so common. Yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of points of similarity, of course, uh, because of like you know the he was a sniper in Vietnam is not it's not that's not the broadest of of comparables. Um, no. That's pretty specific, but but it was uh, a four year jump that the executioner had on Punisher, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. It's interesting. So it's interesting in uh, in Gold Eagle right now. Like it shows that um, the last published book that they're selling is Thunder Down Under from the Executioner, and that's September 2018. Oh. And um, 
And if I were to go to actually try to subscribe, then the, then it just boots to Harlequin. There is no. It could, it's also notable that they could have profited off uh-huh. any publicity that because as long as Punisher wasn't competing directly in the book market, it's possible that the publishers really didn't care. Uh, the Hercules, nineteen eighty two, Hercules. Paul <laughs> Layton. Oh no, that's a good one. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. I own it. Yep, signed by Bob. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let's wrap. Let's let's, let's wrap, wrap this, this sucker up. up. I think it's. I think we're do, we're good. We're we're in the research phase now. So. <laughs> I wonder okay. what your we, second we gather is. again. Let me know uh, how many. See how many uh, execution novels you get. I mean, if they stop publishing, that means that you can have a complete set. That's true. That's true. I, be, I believe <laughs> you're there's... Not, you're, not, you're not working against time to uh, to get a complete set of it. That's right. And t- depending on how how long it takes to write, to read the uh, 628th that it shows here. <laughs> well, all right. I think we're instead we're going to read about thirteen issues of Sludge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll take. Episode. It should but take less a, time. It'll be a beers on the patio, weird food on the patio, all live together recording next time on our unofficial episode two hundred or tenth anniversary or something like that. So, well, what what I've found is that Linda Pendleton runs the uh, uh, comments on the Mac Bolin Facebook page. Mm. So if yeah. you want to get a hold of her. That's right. There you go. Oh, I do. I would love to talk to her about those comics. Oh yeah, seventeen hundred uh, members there, so it, it's not uh, it's not the biggest crowd to uh, <laughs> not not the biggest white noise to get through to to speak to her. Uh, but she seems to be uh, on there fairly regularly. Uh, Chris, get on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, it it seems that she focuses on marketing those original thirty four books though. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, they want to. That's that's about all she's interested in. She's not interested in the, in the once it got licensed to Gold Eagle. So, at the risk of extending this, because I will, uh, Harlequin, <laughs> Harlequin, <laughs> Harlequin has a license uh, through till March of twenty two. Uh, the last book was published in December of twenty. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so that license will be up uh, in less than a year. Oh wow! We can make a bid for it, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think so that's that's awesome. Let's I do think it. we could each knock off a Punisher and uh, knock off a, a the Punisher Executioner um, <laughs> novel by, by March of twenty two. Yeah, easily, easily. <laughs> Call bone up, tremendous. <laughs> okay, All right, well that's it. Let's do some business. Who does that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, we're We Talk Comics. We're on the We Talk Podcast Network. Please check out our other shows, including Cult Film Showdown. If you like this one, you'll like that one. Uh, and that's about it. We'll uh, see you next time. Peace out. O-U-T.